And so this morning, before we're going to start our time to explore the Word of God, I just would like to invite us to bow ahead for another word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we would like to ask, Lord, because I felt very unworthy to speak about this message that I find very important for us to be able to grasp, but also to apply. So help us, Lord, for we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the most common questions that I've been asked all this time in my 12 years being in Singapore is this question of, are you a Filipino? Every time I ride a taxi, they will say, oh, um, are you a Filipino? And, and, and there's nothing wrong about that question. I don't feel offended by that question. I actually feel flattered because uh, people identify me as a Filipino. But I'm not. And oftentimes when I, ask, when I have this uh, encounter with drivers in, 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 in Grab or in taxi or in whatever um, conversation that I had, even sometimes when I'm in, in, in a clinic and the doctor is trying to interview me for my illness, she started to speak in Tagalog, and I said, oh, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand what you're trying to say. Somehow, when, when, when I present myself, people will identify me as a Filipino. And the only distinction that I, I notice when, I, when I'm being identified as non-Filipino is because of my beard. When I have my beard, somehow people say, oh, they, they started to speak in my original language. But... One thing I can learn from this experience is that identity is very important. Because I ask this question very often, and I, I try to wonder why people like to identify me immediately upon certain group of people the moment they encounter me. Because they want to identify and try to relate with me. It is something that is probably very common in your own personal experience wherever you are. When people see you, the first thing that they want to know about you is your origin, your education, your family background. And for most of us who are growing in Asian culture, we sometimes hesitate to go to this family gathering because of all these interviews that you will encounter in, on the dining table during the family dinner. What is your studies right now? How old are you? What is your degree? Have you been, are you married? Do you have any boyfriend or girlfriend? How many children do you have? And all these interviewing questions that sounds like an interrogation. Why, why they don't ask about our feelings? Why they don't ask about, oh, uh, what, what is your hobbies? What are the things that you, you enjoy doing? And oftentimes we find that all these questions about our identity can be very disturbing, but also can be very enlightening in a way to allow us to say that, hey, I have a certain identity that is make, that making me uh, distinctive from the people that is around me. The question is, what is your Christian identity? When people ask you this question, and we, we, we try to grasp with the answer of our Christian identity, we, we, tend, to, we, we tend to describe us, ourselves in, in, in the things that are related to Christianity. For example, for many of us, we, we try to say, oh, Christians are those who are, who are going to the church. And so people identify Christian building through the architectural design that we have across Singapore. And many places in Europe as well, 
as you have been, for those of us who have been there, you will notice the beauty of the way they design a church. But I've been into, I've been serving in a ministry where I am a pastor of a house church in which you will never identify our church by the, the building that we use for worship because it's simply a house. Another way that people tend to describe themselves as a Christian is through this symbol we call as a cross. Somehow when people see the cross, they will think that it is a Christian church. But are we only limited, limiting ourselves because of the symbol that we use? Because I had many encounters where this symbol seems to not representing the person who, uh, who, who somehow use it in their body or in their, in their description of themselves. Because there was a time when I was in the bus and when I was standing and there was a lady beside me. And, and somehow, you know, the, the bus went through this ro uh, road where the driver have, have to stop immediately because of some car just uh, stopped and without gi uh, giving the sign. So every one of us in the bus uh, were, were thrown uh, away a bit, and I bumped into this lady. And, you know, my size is quite big, and I bumped into her, and I accidentally stepped on her feet. And then she looked at me, and then she scolded me and screamed at me and said, Hey, where's your eyes? How come you don't see me? You know, and, and throwing all kind of um, vulgarities and everything. And while I was apologizing, I noticed something. She was wearing this necklace, and you guess the, 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 the thing on her necklace. It was a cross. And so I was like wondering, like, okay, if I will throw my, my, my argument back and say that, don't you know that you are currently scolding a pastor? I wonder what she will say. But in my head, I was wondering, like, what people will see you are scolding this man in the bus and notice that you're also wearing that cross necklace on your neck. Will people associate you with Christianity and yet you are representing this very unhappy lady who are throwing all kind of bad words while you are proclaiming yourself as a Christian? In, in, in our activities in the church, we often associate Christianity with our ritual. For example, our communion service, our baptism, and many other things that we do in church. For example, our worship service, our way of worship, in which uh, I will discuss a bit later about how interesting it is to know that not all churches across the world, especially in Southeast Asia, we worship the way we worship in Singapore, which is something that makes me think what is actually our Christian identity? When people ask you, who are you as a Christian? What will your answer be? Because we, we tend to try to identify ourselves too strong by throwing all this Christian culture that seems to be the way we say that we are a Christian because we do this, we wear, uh, we wear, we wear certain clothes, we, we practice certain rituals, and so on and so forth. Are we limited to that? Because I'm not saying that all those things are not good, but is, is there something more important than all the things that we do as a Christian to tell ourselves that we are a Christian? 
And today I would like to invite you to open our Bible together from wherever you are into the book of Galatians chapter 3. Because in this chapter you will notice how Paul described what Christian identity is all about. And as we read upon this passage, you will notice that the first thing that Paul mentioned is this rebuke to the church of Galatia, where he said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the work of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Have begun the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was vain? Now, can you imagine that such a harsh word is being spoken by the apostle? And imagine if, if, if your pastor or the conference president come to your church and preach this sermon, and the first thing that he addresses you is, this church is so foolish. This, is, this church is so stupid. You know, we're probably going to call for uh, uh, another extraordinary um, uh, general meeting like tonight for those of us who are going to attend, just to show our protest and this unhappiness that an, a pastor come and his sermon is telling the church as a fool. But in order for us to understand the reason why Paul was so harsh in his statement to the, to the city of, to the church in Galatia, we need to read a bit backwards to the context of this whole book of Galatians, especially in chapter 2. Because in chapter 2, Paul mentioned about this incident that caused him to be very upset with, with, the, with the church of Galatia. It's, it's mentioned there in the, Galatia, in the book of Galatians chapter 2, where Paul mentioned about Peter, Kephas in some uh, Bible translation, and said that, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came to James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Paul was so upset because he noticed that Peter playing this very interesting game. When there were no Jews around, he will mix and, uh, and mingle with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came and noticed that, uh, and probably noticed that Peter was, was mingling with the Gentiles, he, he started to withdraw himself and, 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 and pretending that, oh, you know, I have nothing to do with them. And for Paul, this kind of action is very hypocritical that he was so upset, he mentioned there in the book of Galatians chapter 2, which is in the other translation, uh, Paul simply went to the face of Peter and confronted him and said that, what kind of man are you? That you are playing this double standard. You are playing these this group, grouping games where, where, where on one time you are comfortable sitting with the Gentiles, but when your people come and see you, you started to pretend that as if you know nothing about them. One lesson that we can learn from it, despite the fact that Peter had encountered that, that, that challenges when he denied Jesus three times. As you notice, Peter still have that kind of tendency. You know, like, oh, I don't want to be associated with certain people. 
You know, I, I don't want to be associated, associated with Jesus. He repent, but then he still did the same thing later on in the book of Galatians chapter 2. Showing what? Despite the fact that they are apostles, their humanity is still there. And this is the, the important part that you and I need to realize and embrace. Yes, we are growing in Christ. Yes, we are trying our best to be that, that, that Christ-like person that we should be. But let's not forget that you and I, still human being, carrying our defects and our tendency to commit the sin, that despite our repentance, as you look upon the story of Peter, he's still trying to avoid being associated with certain people that will cause him lose his face. But that is not the only point that Paul would like to bring over here. But rather, this double standard of, of Peter when it comes to the sense of being in a community. Because for Peter, in that incident in Antioch, he still sees himself as a Jew, and he sees the, the, the Gentiles as the other. He still sees himself as having his own cultural identity, and the rest are different people. And for Paul, this is making no sense. Because that is the reason why he rebuked the city of the church in Galatia. Because he said that this is making no sense. Why Peter even commit such, 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 such um, action in Antioch? Because this is what happened later on. And, and before we move on to the explanation of Peter, or, or Paul, I mean, we tend as a Christian trying to build this idea that there are situations where our cultural problem become theological problem. Our, our, our way of doing church become the way for us to say that this is us against them. Because, for example, I grew up in a church where, where we were taught that the most appropriate way to, 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 to be able to stand on pulpit according to the, to, the, to the Bible, is that you have to wear a suit and you have to wear a necktie. And I grew up in a Javanese culture of my mother where, where we don't wear such things uh, in, 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 uh, in our formal occasion, whether it's for wedding, whether it's attending a, um, an invitation to attend um, a formal meeting and so on and so forth. And then I grew up believing that wearing batik to come to the presence of the Lord is a sin. So I'm sinful today. But, but I, I, I realize that, hey, am I a Christian in Southeast Asia or I'm a Christian of Southeast Asia? Which I think oftentimes we don't realize that those two things are different. We, we tend to bring the idea that Christianity is something that the Westerners brought to us, and therefore we have to learn and adopt and adapt into whatever being taught by the missionaries back then in the, in the 18th century, in the 19th century, and that is truth. Not realizing that, that actually we can be a Christian because of who we are as, a, as, an, as an Asian, as a Singaporean, as an Indonesian. And therefore, ever since that, I am very much comfortable and actually I'm very, very happy that 
uh, when I texted Pastor James this morning, I said, Pastor, can I, can I preach with, uh, with code? And he said, that is the best. And I was like, wow, this is wonderful. This is really prophetic message for me. Because, because for me, I'm really, really happy to be able to worship God in my personal cultures and identities. Because I do not need to know that there are certain cultural tr and tradition that is meant to be identified clearly as a Christian culture to help me to be able to worship the Lord. But, but another thing that I realized is that because of this tendency to create a tension between our culture and our belief in Jesus, we, we tend to make that there, there is one way and one way alone in worshiping the Lord. Because for those of us who had been worshiping in other countries, for example, for me, when I visited some of the other Asian countries, when they come to the worship service, as I noticed as they come in into the, into the hallway, and I started to realize, hey, none of them wear shoes. Many of them were just slippers. And I was like wondering why. Then I realized, actually, the reason why they wear slippers because it is the easiest way to take off their shoes because for them, as they enter into the place of worship, it is the best way to show respect to, their God, to, to, to God is by removing their shoes. And even in some cultures, if you like to go and stand up on the pulpit, you have to remove your shoes because that is a sign of respect that you should show God. And there are times when I felt very uncomfortable because I didn't know about this, uh, this, this culture. And what happened is I didn't check my socks before I, I come to the church. And I accidentally realized that there is a hole in my sock. And I was like, oh no, if I let, uh, take off my shoe, then people will say, oh, pastor, uh, uh, don't have enough money to buy socks, is it? But then I realized I didn't, uh, I didn't understand and I didn't ex um, grasp this, uh, this idea uh, earlier that culture and Christianity can, can come together as your identity. Because as, as, a, as a person who are believing that every one of us have our own cultural background, when it comes to identity in Christ, are we trying to try to force our culture so much that it become truth that may not necessarily a truth in someone else's way of understanding Christ? Because this is what Paul is trying to tell the church in Galatia, that, hey, let's go beyond our cultural identity and look upon your main unifying identity of who you are as a church. And today, definitely, we will not be able to explore the whole book of Galatians. But I would like to suggest to you that oftentimes this book and the book of Romans are two books that I believe personally are also equally important to the two books that we oftentimes emphasize in the church, in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm not trying to say that Daniel and Revelation is not important. I'm not trying to say that the, the rest of the books of the Bibles are not important. But I would like to encourage you. And probably you can do a series of Bible study or a series of small group or a series of a men's group or whatever it may be. 
but study the book of Romans, study the book of Galatians, because in these two books you will realize the, the, the core message of Christianity, and that is who Jesus is to you and me. And for the sake of time this morning, I just like to summarize some of the things that are being mentioned in the book of Galatians. Number one is that Paul said that no one is justified by the work of the law, but by the merit of Jesus Christ. It's written in the book of Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Number two, he said that Christ lives in me, and therefore I become a new person. And afterward, Paul continued to repeat the same message over and over, that whoever have faith in Jesus become the children of Abraham. Because he is the, faith, the father of all faith. That no matter whether you are a Gentile or you are a Jew, the moment you embrace your faith in Jesus Christ, you are the children of Abraham. And then finally he said that the plan of salvation is an universal plan. It's not just a plan for a certain race of people. And after all these points that he made in the book of Galatians chapter 2 and 3, he concluded it by saying this, For you are all son of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you are were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heir according to the promise. Paul would like to say to you and me that our identity, beyond our cultural identity, as a community, is built upon our ability to break the cultural barrier and being united in Jesus. That beyond what is our background and where we come from and all the questions that we often ask people upon their, their identity and their background, people need to ask this question more about us. Who is your Savior? Because sometimes we may think, oh, Pastor, what's the difference? The world out there also promoting unity. They're, pro uh, they're promoting all these um, ideas of we are all together as one. Yes, it's true that the rest of the world are promoting the similar message. But the reason is different. For you and me, it is not simply because of we are brothers and sisters for the sake of humanity. It is not simply because the more we know about each other, the more we realize that there is no much difference between you and me. All those values are good. But the most important value as a Christian, it is not because of just humanistic perspective of who we are as human beings, but rather because you and I are united because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Unless you and I embrace the, 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 the faith in Jesus Christ, unless you realize the beauty of having a faith in Jesus, unless you and I really believe who Jesus is, that He is indeed your Savior and my Savior, all those reasons are just a simple reason that everyone can share. Means what? Community of Christ built on individual faith of knowing who they are in the presence of God. Community of Christ are built upon the belief that you and I 
are sinners saved by grace, that there is nothing so good about me that make me so different from my brother and sister that in the presence of God, I'm just another saved person, saved by His grace. That because of Christ, you and I can break away all this cultural barrier and look at each other and say that, yes, you are my brother, you are my sister. Now, that is the reason why I'm sometimes very hesitant to, to call and to address each other in church as brother and sister in Christ. Now, it's hard to, 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 to do so, especially being, being a pastor, because like it or not, you have to say sometimes in church, I mean, brother and sister in Christ. Because I wonder, I really wonder, when we, when, when, we, when we say brother and sister in Christ, do we really mean, mean it the way it, it is meant to be? Or we just simply make it another Christian jargon that we use it to identify ourselves as Christians. Because if you ever studied Christian history, especially at the early part of our church, as a movement that is being, being, being persecuted by the Roman government way back in the first and second century, one of the reasons why they were persecuted because there was a, there was a rumor going around in, in Rome that Christianity are this group of people that practicing incest. Why? Because they're addressing each other with brother and sister. And, and the Romans are so against this idea of incest that they, they, they think that it is a justifiable reason to persecute and kill the Christians simply because it is a very immoral action that the Christians do. That they call each other as brother and sister. Nowadays, we use it as if it's nothing. Or sometimes we even use it in the way that that, that, that is even too casual, we lost the meaning of it. Today, as we are looking at this message, even for me, this is a very difficult message. How can I break my cultural identity and start to embrace everyone as the true fellowship of believers, the way Paul wants, it, wants us to realize back in the city of Galatia? How can I welcome someone and ask this question, once everyone, everything is going to get better, and once we are able to, 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 to be able to come to church once again, when someone that you don't know appear at the, at the front of your church today, and you do not know who they are, and you don't know where they come from, what will your first reaction be? Will you go and say, oh, there is a visitor. Okay, I know what to do. I will call Pastor James. Oh, Pastor, there is a visitor. Can you help? Or will you be that extension of this fellowship of believers? That you will be that person that know, oh, I want this person to be part of my community. I want them to feel welcome here. I want them to feel that they are part of this big Christian community where they can be part of my family. That when I call them brother and sister, that's what, what it really means for me. When there is someone that you do not know, come to church and you may say, oh, you know, pastor, I'm, 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 I'm the introvert type. I don't really uh, feel comfortable speaking to strangers. Will you be at least willing to, to say that, hey, I need friend to welcome that guest. Can you accompany me? I'll do the first move. You be my wingman. And my, whatever I say, you back me up, okay? 
But no matter what is the plan or action, it goes back to the same message that Paul would like to speak to the city, the church of Galatia. Who Jesus Christ is for you. That you are willing to see others as part of your community, as those who are indeed part of this community of believers. Now, like it or not, I have to bring this to every one of us, to the reality that your church name is SDA Community Church. Are you really a community? Otherwise, sorry, Pastor James, I have to say, maybe you need to remove that word community from your church. Because if not, and people come to this church and, and, and felt like, oh, it says SDA Community Church, but I don't feel like I'm part of a community. I've been here for many years. I still feel like a stranger. Uh, I, I've been here for so many times. No one ever greeted me and said, hi. And I'm not trying to say about my own experience. Huh? I've, I felt very welcome all my time being in SDEC so far. Uh, there was even a, a, an event that I really remember very clearly. I came in the Sabbath afternoon. And then uh, uh, I remember in the in the lunch uh, place over there. I do not know how you call it, but then I came over. Then, as, they, as uh, some of you saw me, and um, they said, oh, that is Pastor Bayou. He's from Balestir. And then um, some of you immediately said, call him in and let him enjoy the, the food and the drink that we enjoy in this room. And I felt so welcomed by this welcoming gesture. I remember the, the, the time we still have lunch at this church. And, 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 and some of you even prepared a special meal for me. My message is, I hope that the same hospitality, the same kindness, the same welcoming gesture that you have extended to me, you will extend it to everyone else that, have, that will enter and will be present in your church that the name SD Community Church is not only a title that you put in your church, it is not only a symbol to represent your church, it is not just a name for you to identify who you are, but it is really because you really believe because of Christ. I want everyone to be part of this community because He had saved me and he, I want you to understand that I also would like you to be part of this community the way I felt that we are all together as one. So if I ever ask this question to any one of us today, where do I belong? I hope your first answer will be, I belong with Jesus. And because I belong with Jesus, and you all belong with Jesus, we are one big family believing in the same Christ, Lord Jesus, our Savior, in which you and I are indeed brother and sister in Christ. This is my message, which I bring in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Together. Amen.
Let's sing the closing song. blessing of the Father be with us as we depart from this worship place and may our faith continue to grow in Jesus Christ as we are being strengthened by the Holy Spirit day by day. For we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.